Good afternoon, all. Steve Parisi here with IBC Global. Hope your day is off to a fascinating and fantastic start. Today, we've got a good friend, agent here at IBC Global, Scott Transu. Scott, how you doing, my friend? I am doing great. Nice. You are looking sharp today in that suit. Thank you. So you, gotcha. and you too. Oh, why thank you. I like the super, the Clark Kent look you got with the glasses. Usually you don't have them on. So it's like the you Superman. Know, that's, what, that's why I put it on there just to make you that, that gotcha. look. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thank you for your time. Um, I know you guys are always going a mile a minute, you know, just, you know, speaking with individuals interested in policies and educating them on a, on a I want to say daily basis, but on an hourly basis, I feel like since it's nonstop. <laughs> Uh, but what I want to talk about today is, you know, just a, a recent story with someone you had recently worked with that took a policy out with you, but kind of his initial process, like when you first connected with him, I know you and I worked, worked this particular case together. He was educated. He has a heavy real estate background. He's got a day job as well. Very successful from a, a monetary standpoint at a very young age. Um, but as he continued to learn more, he identified some things just in working with you that he said, Hey, you know what I have, I think it can be better. And you were very patient with him throughout the process and just kind of educating him on, on how it worked. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. Okay. All right, cool. So the individual we won't mention any names, obviously, um, when he first connected with you, he was a real estate investor, but when you when you guys first connected, what kind of happened there? He was interested in a cash value life insurance policy, or was he just interested in more information? Yeah, he was interested in a high cash value whole life policy. I mean, he he knew his th stuff. Um, he did want to see illustrations on how we designed it. Yeah, because I don't think he he thought in his mind that it was optimized as best as he as it could be. Mm -hmm. um, so he wants to see, I guess, uh, comparisons kind of gotcha. thing. Gotcha. Quick question. So when you say he thought it was optimized the best it could be already, do you mean the policy he already had purchased from, from someone else? Yeah, from someone else. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so you connected and he wanted to see just some things to compare more or less. Right. And so it. So we, we had discussions a number of times and then we ran the samples. I sent them to him and he liked what he saw. Yeah. Especially in, at the expense costs mm -hmm. compared to, you know, what's going into your cash value. Gotcha. Gotcha. When you say expense cost, was he kind of looking at the break even to say, okay, I'm paying the same dollar amount in, but I'm seeing a difference here. Yeah. And he, in our, our design, it was more of a break even point in that four to five year period. Whereas the other one wasn't breaking even way further down the line. Uh, he was uh, paying more expenses, more, more money was going into his expenses, whether and less going into his cash value. Gotcha. Zero was going into his cash value. Yeah. And I can, I can kind of go through the details too, because I know a lot of, of our audience and people you work with like the details and specifics there. So the options you showed with a, the same out of pocket in one, one instance, was breaking even four to five years. Yes. So your client's putting in a dollar and by year four, he's paid in $4 and he has $4 in cash value or, or more than that. Right. Compared to the other option, where it was the same out of pocket, 
but when he actually had more money in the policy, his break even was around 12 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we looked at the guarantees, but it was much, much more extended. So this really speaks to the situation where someone looks at a policy and, and he did say to you, hey, I think it's optimized. I'm pretty well set, uh, but I would like to see a comparison. You see a big difference there where same out of pocket for the client, but a significantly greater cash value upfront and greater values long term with your option. If I'm him, my question would be, okay, like, why is there such a difference here? So when you got that question, how do you how do you handle that appropriately? Well, appropriately, you know, it depends on the company you, you go with mm -hmm. and how it's designed. Yeah. So when we design a, a policy, we try to minimize that expense as low as we can, and generally it is around that ten percent whatever he's putting in. So he's putting a hundred thousand in, his expenses should be in that ten thousand dollar range. Right. And he saw that in the design of our design, where there was 10% uh, only going to expenses, where and the cash value was pretty pretty good in the beginning. And that's where it broke even a lot, a lot quicker. Gotcha. Where he was basically uh, putting all his money in the first year, he had a lump sum. And then, you know, most yeah. of it was going toward expenses and a little bit was going toward cash value. Yeah. And I, I recall that. So basically, I mean, overall, you just minimize the premium with that typical 1090 split because in his situation, that worked really well. He was funding for a short period of time, too. Um, I recall his his exact numbers, too. I mean, what he had was a policy where in the first year he was paying in one hundred twenty five grand. So lump sum right off the bat. But when you actually broke down the design of this policy and where his money was going, we saw that the base premium piece, the insurance expense, which nothing shows up in cash value in the first year, was about 75 grand. So how it was structured was with a $75,000 insurance premium that translates zero in cash value in the first year. And then another 50 grand was just dumped into PUAs. But then each year thereafter, from year two onward, the ongoing payment was $75,000 per year. So it was all base premium for that point forward. So that case in particular, with a design like that, where if I have an initial PUA payment, but nothing going into PUAs thereafter, that is precisely where individuals run into situations where they look at it and say, okay, like why is it just taking so long for me to see any real value here, especially for him, which we'll get to next, where he's a real estate investor and he could use that capital to continue to grow his portfolio. Right. And that's what he pointed out in that first year, he saw all that cash value, like 85 to 87% of it. Yeah. In that first year, where the other one was zero. Yeah. I mean, he had the 50K lump sum, but yeah, I know what you mean, of the premium. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, a, a traditional case of, of whole life insurance as well. Um, and, and nothing ever against any agents or anything like that, because there's a million ways to design policies. And in that particular case, I mean, that could be an agent that just designing it comfortable with a particular design, particular company. There's a million things that go into policy design and company selection. Um, but back to the client's objective here. He wanted to pay a certain dollar amount in, and he was interested in 
real estate investing. Right. I remember when I, I talked to him at one point, I think this was after he, he had opened the policy or right before, he had actually discovered high cash value life insurance from research around real estate investing. So he's a real estate investor, and what he had done is seek out a, a mentor, a real estate coach, who said, hey, here's what I do with my money. I float through a cash value life insurance policy, made an introduction to someone else, and then he was told, hey, this is how we set up policies. This is how real estate investors structure these and the kind of money they pay in and how they use them. And he looked at it and said, all right, I mean, if this is the way that it's being done, then it's got to be in my best interest, especially if the real estate coach does it. Right. But then in talking to you, he saw, okay, I can still do the exact same thing with the real estate that I was taught, but now I can put the same amount of money in and just have a significantly greater amount of value in my policy, which gives him more working capital, if you want to call it that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anything, I know I talked a lot there. Anything you like to layer on top of it? <laughs> No, you kind of wrapped everything up. I mean, he, that's that, that's what he wanted to use it for, the real estate, basically. Yeah. And I know with those guys, the real estate investors, they need a lot of money up front so they can use that so they can purchase another investment account or a property that you need, and then they can put it right back into the policy where it can still collect that dividend whether you take it out or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, with real estate investors and this individual too, I mean, working with him, a cash value life insurance policy is often viewed as a nice area to store excess cash. If I have money in the bank, for example. But how many people do you work with that open these policies and say, this is like where I'm making all my money because the returns are fantastic. I'm going to put as much as I can just to let it sit and grow. How many people do you get that that want a cash value life insurance for that policy for that reason? For it just to sit and grow? Yeah. Hardly, hardly. Not yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> or small percentage. Yeah. There's that small percentage that people do that, but it's they, they use the policy so they can use it. C correct. Yeah. So, so for example, um, this individual that you're working with, he does really well in real estate. That's where he makes his money. And really the value he saw with the cash value insurance product was, okay, I've got money in cash doing nothing for me. Here's an alternative that will actually grow, safe, liquid, tax-free, all that good stuff. And now when deals come, I have access to my cash value in the policy to continue to acquire real estate. And it's always compounding the money in a policy with no lost opportunity cost, all that good stuff. Right. That's what attracted it to him is the lost opportunity. You know, you put the money in there, let it grow. You take it out, it still collects that dividend. Correct. Correct. Now, did he have a question um, on the non-direct and direct recognition treatment when you were talking to him? He did. He yeah. Did. He was, he, I mean, he really wanted to know if there was a big disadvantage or advantage to either one um, of, of that direct or non-direct recognition yeah. and i just showed him it was it's just how the different companies um would provide the dividends for that money that you take out gotcha gotcha and, and he was all right with that 
Yeah, yeah. I remember he went with a direct recognition company. If you want to kind of explain an overview there, um, like how how does that work? So pretend I'm him. I say, hey, how's the direct recognition actually work? Because I heard it was bad. So how does Guardian's direct recognition work? To use a specific example with an insurance company, how does that work? And just for this example, if you want to pretend that you've got $100,000 in cash value and I loan out $50,000. All right, so I would go. Good, good question, Justin. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, if you take that hundred thousand and you take fifty of it out, uh, that fifty that you leave in the in the pot, you're still collecting a, a dividend of five point six five. Okay. However, the money that you take out, you're still collecting a dividend. But what what Guardian does is bump up the uh, uh, dividend to six percent to wash out the effect the the interest that they charge you. And when, gotcha. you, mm -hmm. when you repay it, it gets restored to where it would have been as if you never touched it. And it went a little, slightly a little bit more because of their dividend rate when they bump up the borrowed money. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I'm, I'm pretending I'm him again. So if I've got a hundred grand in cash value, I'm going to repeat it back to you because I think he does that a lot of times just to help with it. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I'm going to repeat it back to you, Scott. So if I've got a hundred thousand dollars in cash value, and the dividend rate's 5.65%. And I decide to loan out half of it. The 50000 that I still have in cash value gets the same dividend rate of 5.65%? Yes. Okay, perfect. And then the money I've borrowed out, the company charges me a 6% cost to borrow. That's the loan interest rate. But with the dividend rate, they bump that up to 6%? Yes, they do. Gotcha. So then when I pay it back, like what you said, I see everything restored and a little bit more because I had a higher dividend rate. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, but he was, you know, he was all right with that. And, you know, and he, he, that's what he does. He's, he's borrowing his money. Gotcha. Always, always working for him. Yeah. Other, other than a savings account where if you had it in a savings account, you're only getting a 0.1% or whatever they charge you for that. Correct. Correct. Got it. And now he's using his policy quite a bit where he set it up to be very flexible, correct? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. and that's why I like the flexibility of, of Guardian over some of the other companies. Yeah. Where he can commit to a smaller amount and just add more when his cash flow says, okay, you can add more to the policy. Right. Right. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Nice. Well, thanks for going into that story. Anything else that, that you'd like to add on that one? No, I, you know, it was, it was a joy to work with him. Um, it was just, you know, encouraging that he you know, had all those questions and we were able to help him out, uh, get a policy that really worked for him, um, what he, what his needs were. Yeah. Uh, and that's our goal really is yeah. to help clients fulfill their needs. Yeah. Um, so they can use it. Got it. Got it. One thing actually, thanks for mentioning that, that I wanted to touch on is something that you had done before just saying, hey, let's just open up a new policy and roll everything into it, is the first thing that, that we did actually was looked at his existing policy and said, hey, before you look to make any moves with a new policy, you might be able to go to this company and make changes to salvage more of what you've paid in. Right. So here's exactly what you want to do, where we typed out an email for him to say, hey, send this to the insurance carrier. Say, I'd like to 
redesign my policy, lower my base premium, make sure it doesn't mech. So as if he has the knowledge that an agent does, and then go to the company and try and restructure it because you can do that with companies. A lot of people aren't aware of it. Um, but in that process, when he tried to do it, he was quickly just called and, you know, told, hey, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Um, it just ran into a ton of resistance there. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's, uh, you know, you don't want to have him lose some of the money that you put into the new the policy, existing policy you had. No. But if they're not, you know, sometimes they're not willing to work with you or say they can't do it. You know, sometimes it's best to look at your own interest. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you've got, <laughs> if you if your car breaks down, you get a flat tire or something like that. Are you just going to scrap it and go get a new car? Like oh, you, you got to you got to fix it. Yeah. No. I mean, if you flew off a ditch and I flew into a ditch and you've got a flat tire and there's several other things wrong with it, and the mechanic says we we can't fix it, you go to another mechanic for a second opinion, you, you can't fix it. Nothing's there. Then you swap it and go into a new car. But otherwise, it's like nah. Like. You know, I'm going to try and fix it first because it's going to save me a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's what, that's what life insurance in, in policies. I mean, it's like uh, we get a lot of people who have maybe out 20, 30 years and then they want to replace it with a new one. It's, it's already it's already working for you. So no, no sense of, you know, changing them. Yeah, very frequently we'll do that. You know, just let them know to keep the same policy because it makes sense to do that. I mean, if... If that was us just knowing, you know, how policies work, we want to keep it in force. So, you know, do the same thing for another individual. Right. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> if anyone has questions or would like to reach out to Scott, we've got his contact info below. Feel free to reach out anytime. And until next time, my friend, I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. All right. Bye.